you're in the right place. The place where you can learn to improve your health and achieve wellness naturally. You're in the right place. This is Naturally Speaking, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome into Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. Today we got a full show. We're talking about heart disease, the biggest killer in America. We'll find out, are you at risk? Do you have some of the symptoms? Have you been tested correctly? I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Seth Gerlach, along with me, Dr. TJ Williams and Miss Aaron Flynn. So I was sick as a teenager and as a child, and I really dug into natural health, and I really kind of rebuilt myself from the ground up, and now I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm loving life, and I love telling people my story and helping them get better also. And so TJ is here with us too, Dr. TJ. Uh, he's got a Ph.D., he's a doctor of chiropractic, and he's got a diplomate in internal diagnosis. Dr. TJ loves to research, he loves to talk to people, and he loves to teach all over the country also. So we're glad to have him in here. You'll hear from him in a minute. Also with us is Erin Flynn, and she is on the show from a patient perspective. So she'll be asking questions that hopefully a lot of you out there would be asking. So are we guys ready to uh, roll today? Let's jump into heart disease. Yes. Cool. Today's going to be a good show. We're going to throw a lot of facts and figures, and it's going to be a good learning experience for the new technology, the newness of how to really detect and fix cardiovascular disease. So, Dr. TJ, cardiovascular disease, it's a huge problem in America. One in two people have it. Yeah. Kills a lot of folks. Kills uh, uh, like 610,000-ish a year. That's amazing. Right. right. And then like 250-some-odd thousand, maybe it's 285,000, experience their second heart attack. I, I, I'll ask you a question. Aaron, I'll throw this question to you because Seth might know. Um, <laughs> You're pretty confident yeah, that I won't. I'm pretty confident you won't know. <laughs> Great. So, Glad to have you here. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have 600-plus thousand that have their first heart attack, but only 285-ish thousand that will have their second heart attack. Do you know why there's the big number discrepancy? Why is there a almost 400,000 person difference? Do they die? Yeah. Half of the people that have their very first heart attack do not live through it. Wow. And you know what their very first symptom that they have from that heart attack is? No. Dropping dead. There is no symptom. There is no pain. There is no shortness of breath. It's just death. So Not good. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. How how does someone cue, cue the music? Dun dun dun. <laughs> so how does where, someone figure Brady, it out? Brady's running the board over here. He's supposed to be on that. <laughs> Sorry to throw you under the bus, Brady. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about heart attack a little more. Yeah. So people that have heart attacks, I wonder if the listeners know how much a heart attack costs on average. Oh, Aaron, do you know? I have no idea. Do you want to take a guess? Um. How much one heart attack? Having a heart attack, how much does it cost you? $100,000. Not even close. It's 10 times that. It's a million dollars to have a heart attack today. Now, in a year, with the with the way healthcare costs are, are rising, it'll be more. But yeah, right but, now, it's a million dollars. But a million dollars to, or a million dollars? Yeah, a million dollars. To who? So that's just the cost. That's the estimated cost of what it what it is to, to have a heart attack. So think about it like this. People will say, oh, well, I have insurance for that. Well, you have insurance, but most people's insurance only covers uh, 80% of their cost. So you're still going to have a $200,000 bill. 
And a lot of times, it's uh, once it gets over a million, it's all covered anyway. But how many people have $200,000 to drop on a heart attack tomorrow? Well, the number one cause of bankruptcy in America is health-related. Yeah, right? yeah and medical I think, bills. And I think some of that, the million dollars, I think some of that it goes to like surgeries and medications. And it, but I think some of it's like lost wages. Yeah, lost wages, time off work, <laughs> things, things like, like that. that. But it's still, it's huge. Yeah, it's, it's a million dollars. Right. Well, and I'm thinking it is a lot of money. I understand that a lot of people may be listening to this and thinking, but it's not my money. I mean, it's that two hundred thousand is your money. Okay, but even the two hundred thousand, I just think if you could pay a little bit of money and prevent it, which I'm hoping you're going to tell me is possible. Yes, it might. It might be a better choice of how to spend your money. Yeah, it's it's a whole lot cheaper to to prevent these things and figure out what's going on. That's one of the things that I, I know we want to get into when we come back from the break is is talking about the the testing that's being done now versus what really should be performed and why they're different. Why why are we not doing the cutting edge testing? A lot of doctors don't don't necessarily know that this stuff's out there and if they do, the insurance companies aren't paying for it unfortunately at this time. But they'll finally catch up. But what are we going to do in the meantime? What are we going to do in this lag time? So we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. There really is a better way to live. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking from the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. We've got Dr. Seth Gerlach, Dr. TJ Williams, and Miss Erin Flynn keeping us on track as usual. So the Institute of Natural Health, we are an integrative health and wellness clinic, which means we have multiple different kinds of doctors in the clinic, and they all weigh in on every single case that comes in the door. It makes us really unique, and we get a lot of different perspective on people. It's really, really cool. And we also practice something called functional medicine. So functional medicine is a way of getting to the problem, getting to the root cause of why someone's coming in, why they have high blood pressure, why they have depression, why they have diabetes. And when you fix that, people really get well, and they get well really quickly, and it's a lot of fun. And so if, if you want, It is a lot of fun. <clears throat> it is. Watching people get well is why I go to work. Yep. And you can find more conditions and things we treat on our website at the Institute of Natural Health.com. But uh, over the break, we were talking about cardiovascular disease, and uh, I brought up stroke, and we didn't touch on stroke, so I want to talk about that a little bit um, because stroke is so debilitating. I think it's the most de- debilitating condition that we have right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad, and it affects a lot of people. It affects more people, like people get strokes more than they receive heart attacks. There's like 800,000 people that have a stroke every year. And so compared that to the 600,000 that get, that have a heart attack, you know, we're seeing more strokes than, than that. And, you know, the the big thing is the cost. The estimated cost of, of stroke is $34 billion a year. That's a ton of money. And people who can have strokes at any age, they can come on, they don't know, you know, there, there's no warning sign, they just have a stroke, and then they can live for years afterwards. Half the people that have a have a heart attack, we we just talked about that. They they die from it. They don't they don't survive it. Right. Which but, and I think that is scarier to me. The fact that you, I mean, it's scary to think you could pass away from a heart attack. Sure. But it's even scarier 
to me personally to think that I could have a stroke and could live another 30 or more years and right. have people have to take care of me. That's I mean, right. and the cost associated with that. Right. It's, it's insane. We, there, we, we see people in our clinic that have had strokes and, you know, it's, it's just heartbreaking when they come in and they, they can walk in, but they, you know, it's affected the one side of their body and, you know, it's affected their speech and they just, they get so frustrated because they're trying to communicate and they can understand you, but then they can't talk back to you, and they they get so they get so frustrated and upset. It's just heartbreaking. It's just truly heartbreaking. Yeah, I can't imagine losing my mental capacities. No, to any degree. No, not at all. Can no. you explain? Because I I know that we have we're talking about heart disease and about stroke, but aren't those two separate conditions? Well, y- yes, kind of. Um, so. Really, a heart attack is oftentimes uh, a blood clot getting lodged in a blood vessel of our heart, and so we lose blood flow to an area of our heart, and that area dies, and that's a heart attack. It's pretty painful. And then a stroke is we have a clot that that dislodges from a blood vessel and gets stuck in one of our small vessels in our brain, and so then that affects our brain tissue, which affects, you know, everything. And so... These things aren't necessarily blood clots. They can be fat clots, too. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about fat clots in a little bit. But the, the problem with this is a lot of times there, there aren't many symptoms. The, some of the few symptoms that, that we know of that exist out there for people are things like cold extremities, somebody complaining of, of always having cold hands or cold feet. You need to rule out that it's not a, that it's not a vascular issue or if they have less hair on their legs. For, for men, you, it's easy to see if, if you don't shave your legs, because some guys do, that you've got decreased hair growth on your legs. For women, it's a, oftentimes we will ask the question, well, do you shave less frequently? Because that can tell us that their hair is, is growing less. And, and another one that's it's actually relatively highly correlated is a crease in the earlobe. I forget the study. We have it somewhere. And I, I, if I told a number, I would be lying. But it's more than 50% correlated yeah, with cardiovascular disease. Yeah, it wasn't. It was. Yes, yeah, it's, it's got to be close to that. I don't remember exactly, so don't don't quote me on that. But I do have the research. I do have the study. If anyone's interested, go on, go on. We'll we'll post that. We'll post that article. Seth, make a note so we can post that article. Making a note. Perfect. But that's a that's a big driver too. Is is just Things that people can notice within themselves that, hey, you know what, maybe I should go in and get checked out and see what's going on. But I thought you had said earlier that a lot of people don't even have symptoms at all. Right. I just named off a few that are just kind of associated that if you have those, you better go get checked out. So how are we supposed to know if we have heart disease? Be proactive. Take control of your own health. This is one of the things that we talk about all the time. It's very important for people to be proactive and take control of their health. There's nothing stopping people from going to the doctor and saying, hey, can you run this this test on me? I don't know of a single doctor out there that would say no. And if your doctor says no, call me because I will say, okay, let's run that. If you're interested, by all means, let's check it and see. Yeah. It's not that expensive. Let's figure it out. I would actually think that there are medical doctors that would say, well, if you're feeling fine, then there's no reason to worry about it. But maybe I'm wrong. I haven't ever asked about heart disease. But what if someone has heart disease in their family? Does that make them more likely to have heart disease themselves? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, one that we field a lot. So I answer that question kind of like this. 
So there are a lot of things that we get from, from our family. And doesn't necessarily mean that it's hereditary. It run the conditions like heart disease can run in the family, but not necessarily be a genetic thing that oh my dad had a heart attack, so I'm going to have a heart attack. That's not necessarily the case. What we what we really care about is how you were raised and the things that you're doing. So if your family grew up eating tons and tons of sugar and tons and tons of just junk all the time, those are the things that you learned how to do. That's what you learn. So if your eating habits are exactly the same as those, you're likely to have those same issues. But if you've decided on your own, hey, you know what? I'm going to get food sensitivity testing. I'm going to take control of my health. I'm going to eat the things that I'm supposed to eat. I'm going to eat lots of protein. I'm going to eat lots of vegetables. The likelihood that you're going to have something, a heart attack or a stroke, just because a family member did, that's kind of out the window. It's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if your family does have heart disease, there are you know, a lot of different things that go into that. So if they, you know, you had a mother and a sister who had heart attacks and you found out that you had, you know, like high triglycerides or one of the other things that you test, aren't there things that you can do for it then? Yeah, there are things. You can always be proactive. There, There is always something that can be done, whether it's dietary changes, intravenous nutrition, oral nutrition. Just there are steps that can be taken. But the key is knowing what's going on in the first place, what's causing that problem. And something we tell our patients all the time is, uh, well, we tell them about a study. It's the Human Genome Project, and it went on for years and years. And so what the study found when they went into it, they thought that genes controlled everything, you know. And like, like we said, if my mom had heart disease, I'm going to have heart disease. Well, actually, what they found was genes don't really control our destiny. We control our destiny. And the whole theory was flipped on its head, and they found that most of your health is dependent on your lifestyle factors, which means, you know, are you exercising? Are you not smoking? Do you have, you know, a good mental outlook? Are you eating right? Things like that. Are you making healthy choices? So... If I can bottom line this and Do tell it. me if I'm <laughs> right, if you have a family history of heart disease, you are not destined to have a heart attack, it's but not you, a life should get, you should get tested you and figure tested. it out. But That's, even right. if you don't have a family history of any heart disease, you're saying you also should get tested. That's right. Because, I mean, we had a patient in, oh, it's been probably been a couple of months ago now. He came in, the epitome of health. I mean, this guy was in his early 40s, worked out all the time, was very successful. If you just looked at him, you were like, oh, my gosh, this guy is just as healthy as can be. And he walks in. He says, I want to run everything that I can. I want to know how healthy I am. Where am I on the spectrum of health? And we got his results back, and we were all amazed. He had raging, raging, raging cardiovascular disease. It was a big eye-opener for him. Changed a few things with his diet, got his keister into the into the clinic doing some IVs. He's a whole new person. He's like, gosh, I thought I was amazing because I could go and work out for an hour. Now I can work out two hours a day. He's like, it's changed my life. And he was ridiculously healthy and had no idea that he was a heart attack waiting to happen. Wow. And you always hear about that, you know, people who are doing everything that we think that we should be doing and then all of a sudden drop dead from a heart attack. That's and that's right. so scary. Right. And if you looked at, at like what he would have normally got for testing, just basic 
blood testing, it would have never shown that he had a problem. But we do a lot of advanced testing. We do next-level type testing, and that's what what brought us to figure out what was going on with him and say, oh, my gosh, you've got a problem. Yeah, that's great. That's a really great point, and I want to talk about that when we come back from break. So stick with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about what the standard treatment is for heart disease and how that differs from what we do at the Institute of Natural Health. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking from the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. Here I am, Dr. Seth Gerlach, and with Dr. TJ Williams and Aaron Flynn. Today we're talking about cardiovascular disease, the number one killer in the United States. So we have talked about a little bit, uh, a little bit of the symptoms, the stats. And don't forget stroke, the number four killer in the United States. And stroke. Stroke. Up there, too. Yep. Yep. Uh, side note, we are on Facebook at Naturally Speaking Radio, so if you want to leave us a comment or question to answer on air, we can definitely do that. So check us out there. Let's dive right in. Erin, I think you, I think she had a question. Well, I had a couple of questions, so I'm not sure where you guys want to go first. Um, you had mentioned that you do things differently than doctors, so I was wondering what do... What is the typical medical treatment for heart disease? But then also, how does your testing differ from how the medical doctors would typically test for heart disease? Whichever one you want to hit first. Okay. So usually if someone would go to their medical doctor and say, <clears throat> I'm worried about my heart disease or my mom had heart disease, I want to get checked. They would usually say, okay, well, let's, let's run a standard lipid panel and let's check your cholesterol. Everyone's heard that the cholesterol is associated with your heart disease risk, right? So they'd see your cholesterol, your triglycerides, your quote-unquote good and bad cholesterols and see what those look like. And if they come back uh, close to normal, they say, you're good to go. If they're a little high, they say, let's put you on a statin, and then we're good to go. And that's pretty much, TJ, correct me if I'm wrong, about what happens now? That's pretty much what happens. Uh, you know, statins are, are widely prescribed for that um, and – for, for those of you who are, may not be certain what a statin medication is, those are things like um, Lipitor and, and things like that. that Crestor. Crestor, yeah, exactly. That what they do is they decrease the body's production of cholesterol. So it we won't get into all the process of how that works, but it just basically stops your body from, from making its own cholesterol. But if you have high cholesterol, aren't you at a greater risk for heart disease? Doesn't that mean you have heart disease? <laughs> this is where we go off the rails a little bit. The, yeah, this is where the research doesn't actually support this very well. There's actually studies that show that in populations, if we look at large populations of people, those populations that have higher cholesterol, the people live longer and they live healthier lives. I mean, if you just think about cholesterol, from cholesterol we make pretty much all of our hormones in our body, and that if we stop the production of cholesterol, then by default we change our body's ability to manufacture hormones, things like testosterone and estrogens and DHEA and cortisol and progesterone and things like that. What, what, are, what, are, we, what are we doing? Why, why would we 
why would we want to do that? I, I just, it baffles me. Well, if you can understand. prevent a heart attack, then. At what cost? At what cost are we preventing a heart attack? Are we preventing a heart attack at the cost of, you know, creating monsters? I mean, we have we have guys that take statin medications for 20 years and then end up with low testosterone. Well, their testosterone. There's a medication for that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it created heart attacks and, and all kinds of problems, and they, they started taking those things off the market, unfortunately. I will say, I don't think we are uh, decreasing our heart attack risk because we know that half the people who have a heart attack have normal cholesterol. So that's really not a good indication for tying cholesterol to heart disease. And I have a study right in front of me here from 1994, Journal of American Medical Association. Oh, 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 listen, Journal of American <laughs> Medical Association. There's no difference in risk of dying from coronary artery disease between high and low cholesterol groups. Hmm, 1994. That's that's pretty that's pretty Whoa. impressive. Huh. What do you think about that one, Aaron? Well, I'm just I'm trying to put all this together. <laughs> My thinking is if you have lower cholesterol, would it be more and you're not able to produce these things you need, would it be harder for you to recover in some ways from a heart attack? Yes, it actually is harder for you to recover from a heart attack. You're you're, you're not able to heal. One one of the things that testosterone does especially in men is is dictates our body's ability to heal itself. We see low testosterone in men. We're like, oh, my gosh, okay, this is what's going on. I mean, these guys have all kinds of problems, not just the fact that, you know, they have low testosterone. Because low testosterone, men walking around have low testosterone, don't even know it because testosterone doesn't necessarily affect sex drive. So there's just – this is just baffling to me that someone would say, okay, to, to fix your heart disease, let's let's give you a medication that stops – production of hormone or at least slows that way down what is the thinking behind it though but because the, there has to be some i mean i thought they were connected but there has to be some rationale that well the thinking is just basically that cholesterol equals heart disease and we there's time and time again study after study has shown that that's not true i'll, I'll jump in here for a minute maybe hopefully clarify aaron's <laughs> question here pj calm down uh, I get I get riled he up. Gets, he gets really riled up on this uh, st- topic here. If you come into the office, he'll draw all over the board for you, too. Yeah, I do. I do. This is one of the topics that I teach around the country. Yes. Seth's always throwing out there that you know Dr. TJ teaches all over the country. Well, I do, and this is one of my biggest topics, and I get asked to teach this many, many times. I'm going back to a, a group of doctors in October, I just found out, and they're over the moon. I gave this exact same lecture, and when was I down there last? April? I think it was in April. I was in I was in Little Rock, and I'm going back to Arkansas to teach this again, the exact same topic. And I've got a bunch of doctors that have already said, "Hey, I'm coming to hear this again." Yeah. So that's sorry, cool. I don't I didn't mean to get off the rails there. That's okay. But I, I was going back to Aaron's thinking of how how do they equate cholesterol with heart disease? But I think it's from uh, when you go inside an artery or a vessel, and the thinking is. You eat cholesterol or you have high cholesterol and it just clogs up your veins automatically and then we have heart disease. That's not really how it goes down. In in our arteries, our, ve- our veins, our vessels, things like this, what really starts it off is usually inflammation or free radicals, damage, toxins, things like that. So after that, the body is going to do whatever it can to put out that fire, to repair that. And what does that? Cholesterol. Cholesterol. That's a, I, I give an example. Cholesterol puts out the fire? Yeah, cholesterol is actually the body's best antioxidant system, believe it or not. 
it's I mean, in Britain, they're all over this stuff. They they're they're guys over there that are like, you know what? This is amazing. The cholesterol just puts out the fire. That's what it does. I give an example of of this for for patients in the in the office. The I say, okay, let's let's imagine you have a house and you have uh, uh, um, plaster walls. And say, you know what? Something happens, and you walk in one day, and your your plaster, you have a big crack in in one of your walls. It's a huge crack. And so, what do we do to fix that? Well, we just go in and we 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 use uh, putty and we cover that up, right? We 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 cover this all up, and we smooth it out, and there we refinish this thing. But then the next day we come in and there's there's more of a crack, and so we come back in and we we cover it up again and we we putty this up. Well, the modern medical system walks in. If they were observing the the, the fixing of the wall and, and and your inherent just natural thing is, of of laying this spackle down is to come in and look at the wall and say, oh, well, I see your problem. The problem is you have too much spackle. That well, what caused the crack in the wall in the first place? That's what I care about. Is where in the foundation did the house shift? To create the crack in the wall to force us to have to spackle over the the crack. That makes sense to me. Yeah, see, <laughs> it's not a spackle problem. That's just a normal response that the body has. And cholesterol is your body's spackle. So when I see someone that has really really elevated cholesterol, I first think, okay, where is the damage, and what is our body trying to put out? What are we trying to fix? Where are we trying to repair? And that's what we go after, and that's what we find. And that's where this next level of testing, beyond just a standard lipid panel and cholesterol workup, that's where that's where this information hides. So is there a level of cholesterol that you consider too high? I mean, it, I'm guessing that it, it could be too high, right? Yeah. yeah. Or is it I'll, up? I'll throw it out there. I, I tell many, many people, if it's above 300, your total cholesterol is above 300, yeah, that's where I start to say, yeah, we, we need to start doing some things whatever we can to get that lower that lower does it matter like the hdl versus ldl yeah there's some ratios in there but i don't really think it's going to be easy that's something that i like to draw on a board and it's much <laughs> easier for a picture it's hard for a listener to grasp some of that stuff so if you want dr tj to come to your house and draw on your whiteboard <laughs> yeah let yeah. us know yeah um, I, i'm available for hire but one thing that was interesting too they've dropped the levels of cutoff for total cholesterol um God, how how much? It used to be 300, was it, it not? It used to be 300, and then in the early 90s, somewhere in there, it went to 240, and now it's at 200, and then there's a big faction of people that are trying to get this down to lower than that. So I Yeah, and I had heard that, but I was under the impression that it was because people keep having heart attacks, so clearly yeah. we shouldn't have this high of But clearly, if, we, if we're lowering the limits and people are still having problems, then are we looking at the wrong thing? I mean... Einstein said it. I, I don't exactly know how the quote goes, but the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If we just keep lowering and lowering, what, what what in the world are we doing? Yeah, so I don't think we're preventing it, and I think the statins are actually doing more harm than good because we know the number one side effect of a statin is muscle atrophy. So a lot of, it'll show up, but a lot of people, uh, they'll be stiff or they'll, have, they'll feel um, aches like in their legs. Yeah. Um, but... If it's muscle atrophy, the heart's a muscle. That's right. Right. Well, and I'm also thinking most people probably just attribute that to getting older. Right. And so they're not even thinking that it could possibly be a side effect from the medication. Right. Because they don't realize how bad they actually feel. And if they start healing themselves, how 
much better they can feel if they just start taking control of their health and, and taking some steps. So just a second ago, I want to I want to touch on this before we have to go to another break. Some of the some of the next level testing. One of the things that we look at is this the substance called myeloperoxidase. And that's a big word, and I understand it's a big word, but it's very important. It's an enzyme in our body that is actually part of our immune system. It helps our body fight things off. So myeloperoxidase is really cool in that it is the biggest predictor of a future cardiovascular event, all by its little old lonesome. There are number cutoffs that if this thing is above a certain number, it is indicative that you will have a cardiovascular event within the next six months. That's either a heart attack or a stroke. And there's a number that if it's higher than this other number, it's 30 days. You've got to get this stuff down in a hurry. And you'd be amazed on how many people we run this on, and it's elevated. It's elevated. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. We were just talking about the guy. I mean, this is one of the numbers on the on the guy that came in that we were talking about earlier in the show that was super healthy. This number was through the roof. Yep. Oh, that's scary. It is scary. He had no idea. He had no idea. Yep. And I want to get to all these other tests because there's lots of different tests to run. Also, I want to get to those when we come back from the break. So up next, we're going to learn a little bit more about this. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. You're in the right place. You're listening to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking. The show that teaches you how to achieve wellness naturally on KTRS. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS here with the Institute of Natural Health. I'm Dr. Seth Gerlach and with Dr. TJ Williams and Aaron Flynn. And today we are talking all about cardiovascular disease, number one killer in the United States. So, so far we've talked about some stats um, a little bit of symptoms and the standard medical treatment, and we briefly touched on uh, like what uh, medical doctors test with lipid panels, and Dr. TJ talked about myeloperoxidase, and we're going to talk about a couple other tests that we run in our office specifically that are better predictors for cardiovascular disease than what you probably have ran so far. So one of my favorites, TJ, is homocysteine. Homocysteine. Go for it. And so homocysteine... Uh, is supposed to be 10 times more predictive than cholesterol for your for heart disease. Yeah, so basically what this homocysteine is, the example I talk to people about is homocysteine is this particle that goes through your, your arteries and veins and very much like sandpaper can rough up a nice smooth wood surface. That's what homocysteine does in your arteries and your veins. It creates this damage. On a, on a blood vessel, and then your body comes in and attacks it and tries to heal and repair it, for lack of a better term. That's the, that's the best analogy, and it seems a lot of people can resonate with understanding, okay, it's scuffing up my, my arteries and veins, it's creating damage, and my body's got to try to fix that. Yeah, and it, it's not only increased risk for cardiovascular disease, it's increased risk for dementia and Parkinson's also. Yeah. Yeah, and if it's if it's if it's above what's I think it's 15. I have this on a chart at my office because I don't try to remember all the numbers. If it's above 15, it increases your risk by like 80% of a cardiovascular event. That's a heart attack or a stroke. 
within the next two years. So wow. we just threw out that we can predict a coronary event, a heart attack or a stroke, in two years, six months, or one month by some of this advanced testing. Right. And that's just two tests that we've <laughs> yes, talked about. Yes. We've only talked about two, folks. And those are on people that could have normal cholesterol? Very normal cholesterol. And these or numbers, low cholesterol, I yeah, guess. <laughs> or low, yeah. Yeah, we, when we go over labs with people, if you're not familiar with us, we – we run these labs, but we go over them with people in detail. We sit with people for an hour and discuss what does this mean, what does this mean. And when Dr. T.J. goes over, it's called a cardio IQ. It's an advanced lipid panel with all these markers on it. He'll say, well, this is what your cholesterol looks like, and this is what everything else looks like. Right. This is way more predictive. Right. We, we don't care about the cholesterol. It's really not that predictive of, of an event. I mean – we just talked about it earlier in the show that half the people that have a heart attack have normal cholesterol levels. So why would, why on earth would we ever care about a cholesterol level when all these other things are, are much better predictors? But if someone is on a statin medication, would it fix any of these other things? No, not at all. It's not even going to touch them. All, all a statin medication is doing is decreasing your um, your production of cholesterol, unless you're a woman. And then there's well, the research that just came out here not too awful long ago that women have – uh, a higher risk of developing diabetes if they're taking statin medications. 48%. 48% increase. Wow. So, yeah, that's there are a lot of women out there that are taking statin medications. Da, da, da. Yep. So, another test that, that we like to run is LP little a. It stands for lipoprotein little a. And that by little a, I mean lowercase a. And what this stuff is, is like 10 times more predictive of cardiovascular disease than your LDL or your low-density lipoprotein, your bad cholesterol, it's more predictive than that. Wow. And no one ever runs it. No one has this number that no one knows what that is. We're the first people typically to run that on someone. And it can be very predictive. And when you can, when you put that with a common test, one, that's, one that is run in the medical model that we didn't talk about earlier is C-reactive protein. And this is an inflammatory marker. So we talk about inflammation a lot, and you can actually measure inflammation in a person's body. And that's done by one of one of the things that's done is is the C-reactive protein. If your C-reactive protein is high and your LP little a is high, you have an 11 times greater risk of a heart attack or a stroke. Well, how would you ever know that you had an 11 times greater risk if you only measured CRP? Because CRP just tells you if you if it's high, you have twice the risk. So if it's high and you have twice the risk and they don't run the other part of the test and the other part of this thing that really matters is that LP little a because it's much more powerful and much more predictive tells you if it's increased you have a 11 times greater increased risk. So if the little LP PLA what LP little a LP little a if if that is ran by itself or do they never do that? No one ever does that. We're typically the first people that, that do that. I mean, we've had a couple of people that have come to us that have gone to places like Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic, and those people, they may have that information, but the, typically the patient doesn't have any explanation of what it is or how it is. When, when Dr. Seth said we sit down and go over it for an hour, we go over it for an hour because we want our patients to be able to walk out of the office and be able to tell their friends, family, loved ones, what it is that's going wrong, and how they are going to address those issues. I I, when, I know that we need to take a break, but when we get back, I'd really like to hear about what you can do 
for heart disease and what things people can do at home to hopefully prevent it. We will be back right after this. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. You're listening to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking. The show that teaches you how to achieve wellness naturally on KTRS. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking, folks. You're in with the Institute of Natural Health. I'm Dr. Seth Gerlach. I have muted Dr. TJ Williams because we have to run through these last tips here. Uh, and Aaron Flynn is with us. So today we learned a lot about heart disease, um, how to test for it, things like that. Right now we're going to go over some tips. And I wanted to first briefly touch on a study I found in the Archives of Internal Medicine that showed um, that lifestyle choices such as not smoking, exercising three and a half hours a week, eating a healthy diet, and maintaining a healthy weight could prevent 93% of diabetes and 81% of heart attacks and 50% of strokes. That is amazing, folks. So you have the power to prevent this. Um, other things I want to talk about is... Take control of your own health. Oh, he's even muted and he's yelling. <laughs> <laughs> Some other tips you can do at home is balance your blood sugar. So uh, especially, this will be important for breakfast. Eat a good uh, breakfast filled with protein and fats. Limit your carbohydrates and sugars. That will uh, keep you from spiking uh, blood sugar, which increases inflammation, which can predispose you to heart disease. Number two, make an oil change. So get rid of the processed oils, the hydrogenated oils, things like that, and include some good ones like olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil. These things are great for health. And fat does not make you fat. Sugar makes you fat. Another thing we do is decrease stress. So if we are stressed out, running around all the time, of course our risk for cardiovascular disease is going to be through the roof. If you can just take 10, 15 minutes a day, to really just sit in a dark room, rewind, maybe do some meditation, deep breathing, things like that. It resets the body, resets the system, and it can really plummet your stress level. It's really, really awesome. Another thing you could do is obviously exercise. It doesn't, you don't have to go out and join a gym and run all over the place. Uh, get a kettlebell in your basement and swing that around for five minutes. Do some push-ups, things like that. All things, these get your heart pumping, they get your... Your, uh, they build your muscles up, so your blood sugar drops. It's it's really great. Uh, a couple of things I want to touch on here. <clears throat> um, heart disease can be reversed, and you have the power to do this, but it's always easier to prevent it. So we talked about um, tests to find out if you have heart disease, and there's ways to do that also. We also do a lot of different therapies in our office. One of those, we had a caller calling about this, is chelation therapy. Yes, we do provide this. Chelation is a powerful therapy for um, cardiovascular disease, and it's even been shown to reverse cardiovascular disease. It's really amazing stuff. Are there also any supplements that people can take? Are there other things, you know, if they don't want to go chelation or a medication that the, could help? There are. There's too many lists, and it's so personalized that we'd have to do that on another show, Aaron. But thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> but I do want to touch on that and chelation on another show coming up because that could be in a show all to itself. So thank you, everyone, for listening today. Hope you had a great time. Hope you learned a whole bunch. And join us next week for another episode of Naturally Speaking. You've been listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS.
This has been Naturally Speaking, the show that helps you improve your lifestyle naturally. Naturally Speaking. For more information about the Institute of Natural Health or this show, contact them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. 